talk about that. No, I'm kidding. We're going to talk some NFL draft right now, though. To do it, we welcome on one of the best, Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus. Give him a follow on Twitter, PFF underscore Mike, lead draft analyst over there. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. So, Mike, before we get to the uh, NFL draft here, I just have to ask you a quick question about Notre Dame football. Huge fan, was feeling really good coming into the season. Figured double-digit win season. Sam Hartman, I'm excited for a quarterback for the first time since Brady Quinn, I guess. Um, But they don't have an offensive coordinator. So what do you think ends up happening here with uh, Notre Dame? Who's calling the plays? Uh, well, they did, didn't they? Just hire one today. They hired uh, what's his name, the uh, the tight ends coach, didn't they? Be the so is, coordinator. Is he or calling the plays that? though? Uh, I would imagine, right? Uh, I I don't trust anyone else on that staff. I don't think Marcus point, will be. So I, he has to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so Jared Parker, that's our that's the uh, offensive coordinator for Notre Dame, the former tight ends coach. So feeling pretty good. So my favorite quarterback in this draft, I know everybody loves Bryce Young. People are talking themselves into Will Levis, maybe Anthony Richardson. I've just been a big C.J. Stroud fan the last couple of years. Thought he played his best game, obviously, in the college football playoff. Showed that he could move his legs a little bit. Your thoughts uh, on this quarterback class and maybe why C.J. Stroud isn't getting more love? It's an interesting class. It's really like an eye of the beholder class. You know, it's like, what do you sort of uh, put above everything else? Do you put playmaking ability? Because then Bryce Young's your guy. Do you put tools? Because then Will Levis is your guy. Do you maybe put like accuracy and on-field production? Because that was C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. Uh, I, I don't think he's getting as much love because of kind of the situation there and maybe how he performed when the situation didn't go great. Like he had one of the, he had the lowest PFF grade of all these quarterbacks went under pressure this past season. It really wasn't even close. And, and now he had great plays against Georgia, and I think that really helped his draft stock and really helped him in the eyes of evaluators because of how many plays he did make under pressure. Made more in that game on the biggest stage against the best defense he faced all season. No shade to Michigan, but the best defense he faced all season under pressure. And I think that's the biggest thing is that prior to that, you know, the situations in Ohio State with maybe two first-round offensive tackles, these, you know, bevy of what we'll see next year first round wide receivers maybe jack smith and jigba sneaks in there as well this year but he had a great situation it was a lot of times on easy mode or uh, you know whatever you want to call it there in that offense and that's going to get a lot more difficult in the nfl but i still think there's more to like than not to like so i do think the draft status maybe he's getting maybe he's not getting the hype that these other two guys are but where he ultimately gets drafted he's going to be right in the same range What's interesting, Mike, is when you look at Will Levis now versus during the actual season, there's just a ton of steam coming in for him. Like, what has caused uh, this amount of talent evaluators to just sort of, like, fall in love or be more enamored with Levis than they were when they were watching him uh, in, play college football? Well, I, I liked him early on this season. I, I thought he started off this past yep. season great. And then down the stretch, obviously faded. Schedule got difficult. But it was also, like, coincided with him having turf toe and having to play through that. And really the mobility aspect to his game was gone after he got turf toe. He didn't run much, wasn't making plays outside the pocket. And you really saw it in his footwork. Uh, a lot of inaccuracy show up after that. So I think that's the biggest thing that evaluators are seeing. They're going back and checking the tape, checking these timelines and saying, hey, you know, when he was fully healthy, when he had, you know, a legit NFL office coordinator a year ago in Liam Cohen, he went toe-to-toe with that Georgia defense. He had some really nice outings, and he possessed these really great tools. But then when he got hurt, the performance went in the tank, the stats went in the tank, and he's kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum from a C.J. Stroud in that the situation was awful around him. Like, there's a lot of plays where there's nothing for him to do. And so the statue was never going to look good 
But as an evaluator, you have to obviously project what's that going to look like when he gets to the next level. Well, he did things like perform really well under pressure. He did things like operate pockets really well. And he obviously, as I said, has probably the best physical skill set of those top three in terms of tools. So I think that's why you're seeing evaluators maybe, you know, the more NFL opinion gets out there, the more people are saying, you know, this guy's going to go highly in this year's draft. Are you a Justin Fields guy? Do you think the Bears should hold on to Justin Fields? Uh, I, I think he's going to be good. I think he is good. I think he's going to be good. But I'm I'm a Bryce Young guy in that I think Bryce Young's special. Like, I think he is a guy that I'm – I don't really care. There's not a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. No, no shade to Justin Fields, but there's just not a lot of guys that I'm passing up this opportunity to draft Bryce Young for. You know, that I don't really care who it is. There's only a handful – that I'm saying, and, and the fact that you can get him two more years on a rookie deal that you've already burned with Justin Fields also has to play a factor in that equation. So, yeah, I, I, I like Bryce Young that much, but I, I do think I'm not going to hate on the Bears for sticking with Justin Fields. He's so dynamic as a runner and so physically gifted that you put the pieces around him, it's only going to look better and better as the years go on. Yeah, just interesting, obviously, since Ryan Pace drafted him. Now you have Ryan Poles there. What do you think they end up doing with that number one overall pick? Do they take somebody like Jalen Carter? Do they try to get the right package for it? What do you think, you know, if you were a betting man, that they would uh, do with it? Yeah, I'd bet I'd put it at like a 95% chance right now. I feel fairly confident they flip that pick. Now, it might just be to the Texans at two, and they might just get like a third rounder in return. But they'd be silly to just sit there at one, draft Jalen Carter, who I think would be at the top of their board instead of the top – of the PFF board outside of the quarterbacks in this class. So I think that's what they end up doing, but it's just, it's too, they'd be stupid to pass up the value or any extra picks they can add because obviously they don't have their second round for training for Chase Claypool and they have one of the worst rosters in the NFL. So if you're going to draft one of those position players, you might as well get some picks back in return as well. What do you think about the criticism of, of Justin Fields that he hasn't really gotten better? I think there's a, a lot of like pundits who say, okay, well, we've seen kind of the upside for Justin Fields, but like you said, like defensively one of the worst rosters in the NFL. Like the weapons, some of the worst in the NFL. Offensive line, I think 31st in the NFL. Like what what to you to you, I know you think Bryce Young is special, but what do you think Justin Fields could be? Yeah, so that's I think those are valid criticisms. Now now obviously like I think he he did progress as a passer. I'm not saying there was nothing different from year one to year two, but the main difference was his legs, like that they bought into the fact that he can run and run at elite level. But as a passer, the things that, you know, are his weaknesses, the really the things that are killing his game right now, the taking of sacks, the holding on to the ball too long in the pocket, the, you know, eyes locking in on a receiver and not willing to come off of it. I don't think you saw much of a progression from year one to year two. And that's the worrisome thing. You know, Jalen Hurts, you saw massive sort of leap from year one to year two. And obviously there's only a few games year one, but year one to year two. Like that's the comp everyone wants to say, but Hurts made real progression, whereas Fields, his weaknesses are still pretty defined and, and still really just shows it in flashes, the high-end play. So uh, I'm not giving up by any means because of how much that rushing advantage really – tilts the numbers equation back in favor of offenses and makes your life easier as a quarterback. Like we saw with, you know, RG3, when he could run like that, he didn't have to be a great pocket passer to put up massive numbers because the looks you're going to get from defenses. But once that running threat's taken away, uh, obviously then you have to uh, become something different as a passer. We still have not seen that yet from Justin Fields. This tight end class is just absolutely loaded here in this draft. And you have Michael Mayer, you have Luke Musgrave. Like, What's the drop-off, though? Because how many do you think we get in the first round? Is there a chance to get three tight ends, four tight ends, do you think, in this draft? And then what's the drop-off from, like, a Michael Mayer to, you know, Kincaid or even Luke Musgrave, who I see some people even have going over uh, Mike? 
Yeah, there's they're vastly different players. This tight end class is awesome because of that, because there are probably four guys who you could legitimately talk me into them ending up first round picks. Mayer, I think I'd put him as lock at this point just because of his floor. He's the highest floor in this tight end class. He's an NFL ready blocker, NFL ready size, NFL ready route runner. Maybe not an elite athlete, but someone's going to cover that in the first round. And then Kincaid's just like a receiver in a tight end's body. Maybe he's never going to be, you know, 255. Maybe he's never going to be Rob Gronkowski, but he can be a guy that you feature in your offense. And he's probably the best pure receiver of these tight ends in this class. And then there's a Luke Musgrave who is going to run like maybe in the four fours at 255, 6'6", 255, maybe jump like 35 plus inches, like just an elite athlete. And if the history of tight end drafts tells you anything, it's that the guys who are the elite athletes more often than not become high-end producers at that position are the guys you want to bet on going forward. And then there's Darnell Washington, who's 6'7", 270, has the frame of like Orlando Pace and what he can do as a blocker. And some people covered that. And so if you, if you want a guy who is a glorified tackle that can also run like a gazelle, you're not going to find that anywhere else. And so if that's a part of your offense, I could see him being coveted highly too. So uh, it's a very cool tight end class and a very deep tight end class. Mike, what's your feel or thoughts on uh, Anthony Richardson and what he could be? He is, as far as athletic tools and just physical ability, I mean, he's in the conversation with Josh Allen, Cam Newton for, you know, as good as we've seen in the past decade or so with the position. The, the guy's 6'4", 240, may break 4'5". I mean, if he wanted to switch to tight end, we just talked about the tight end class. If he wanted to switch to tight end, it wouldn't be crazy for me to see him draft in the first round as a tight end just because of how athletically gifted he is. Like, that's how special this guy moves uh, just with the ball in his hands. And, and so we just talked about with Justin Fields how high a floor that gives you. He, he doesn't have to progress too much as a passer to already make an impact at the quarterback position. But there, there are a lot, there is a lot of progression to be made as a passer. Like the inaccuracies, the consistency with his footwork, it, it really is just reps based. Like he needs to play more football. The guys played a year of football. And obviously once you get to the NFL, the guys we've seen really hit the ground running are more often than not not those guys who just had a flash in the pan one year. It's the guys who have three, four years of starting experience have seen it all and then get to the NFL. So I think that's the worrisome things with Anthony Richardson, but you look across the NFL landscape, you look at what you're trying to ultimately get to, you're trying to win Lombardi's. You got to compete with Josh Allen's of the world. You got to compete with the Patrick Mahomes. You got to compete with guys who have that high end physical ability. Well, if you, if you don't, it, if you don't have that at your quarterback position, chances are you're going to have to have a perfect roster to beat those guys. So Anthony Richardson gives you that high end, gives you that potential, even if he's really, really far away from it at this point. Sticking with the quarterbacks, what are your thoughts on Will Levis? 23 picks the last two years. And, like, I was wrong on Josh Allen. I didn't know that he was going to be able to improve his accuracy, or you could say maybe Jalen Hurts. But I just feel like there's something off with Levis. Do you like him? I do. I actually have him above Strauss, QB2 on the PFF draft board right now because of a lot of things I mentioned earlier about the situation being so bad. And their offensive coordinator there, Rick Scangarello, uh, just did not give him options. It, you know, was very set in his ways with what he wanted to do. Uh, and it was not something that really suited Will Levis's game. And so there, there's kind of been a history of guys in this mold, right? And it includes, I think, Justin Herbert, includes Daniel Jones, and includes Josh Allen there where it's like, the stats are bad. The objectively not good by NFL standards as a passer, but the NFL is still considering them to this level because of what they bring to the table physically, what they bring to the table from a way they play the quarterback position. 
and kind of knowing that once they get to the next level, they have so much experience, have so much have operated NFL offenses, kind of the way it's supposed to be operated at the NFL level that all they do is then develop at that point. They're, the path to them basically getting better uh, is very well defined. And it really with Will Levis just comes down to his accuracy. If he had the accuracy of a C.J. Stroud right now, it'd be a no-brainer. He'd be the number one overall pick. You go back and watch those 23 picks, I'd venture to say outside of the ones that were, you know, Hail Mary's, uh, not necessarily his fault, I'd venture to say two-thirds to three-quarters of those are just him missing a receiver that's open, which, yeah, that's still gonna, that's still a bad thing by NFL means, but, like, he's not a bad decision-maker. He's just an inaccurate. And I think some of that's down to the toe injury, the turf toe that he suffered this past year, and some of it's just kind of who he is. But I think recent history has shown that some of those guys can really improve that. So uh, I think that's why you're seeing teams bet on uh, those traits, and someone will bet on probably in the top five. Uh, Mike, we only got 30 seconds here. Who's the can't-miss player in this year's draft? Like, obviously, we can't guarantee this, but he's going to have an all-pro career if you could pick one guy. It's Jalen Carter. It's the Georgia defensive tackle. He's powerful. He's quick. He knows how to use his hands. He was the best defensive lineman on that Georgia D-line last year that had three first-rounders and a one overall pick. No one's going to screw this up. He's going to be the first position player drafted this year.